You're listening to the Kilcullen Diary Podcasts. Stories in sound from a village grown bigger. Hello, I'm Brian Byrne. This is Kilcullen Diary, and this podcast is in my series, Person of Interest. Mary Anning was in financial difficulties. Not for the first time, but at this point in 1830, a friend from her teenage years rallied around. Henry de la Beche was a collector of geological fossils, and he commissioned a special lithographic print based on his own watercolour painting Duria Antiquiora, which in turn had been inspired by fossils which Mary Anning had found in her home Lyme Regis area of Dorset. Apart from friendship, it was an acknowledgement of how much Mary Anning had already contributed to paleontology, the study of fossilised bones in pursuit of knowledge of prehistory earth, specifically as it had been in her native county. Much of the beach and the cliffs line of Dorset is known today as the Jurassic Coast, and as such is a protected UNESCO World Heritage Site. There was no such designation when Mary Anning was born in 1799, the middle child of a family of ten children, of whom only two would survive to adulthood. Her father was a carpenter, who supplemented the family income by selling curios, otherwise fossils collected locally, to visitors to Lyme Regis. In an all-hands-on-deck era of family earning, Mary was out below the unstable cliffs seeking curios from a very early age. Her father died of TB and injury complications when she was just 11, and then her skills and her finds became crucial to the remainder of the struggling family's survival. Mary's parents were members of the local congregational church, which encouraged education for poor families, unlike the main religious denomination of the time. That meant she learned how to read and write. She was also a curious, lively and intelligent child by all accounts. In local lore, that was attributed to her having survived a lightning strike when she was an infant. The strike had killed three women, including one who was holding Mary at the time. The study of paleontology had become trendy amongst the wealthy in the early 1800s. The Dorset coast, especially around Lyme, was a magnet for them where landslips from the cliffs often revealed new ancient remains. Mary Anning was just 12 when she found the remainder of an extinct marine reptile skeleton, the four-foot-long skull of which her brother Joseph had earlier discovered. Sold first to a local landowner and eventually ending up in the British Museum, where the naturalist Charles Koenig suggested the name ichthyosaur for the species. Mary later found the first complete plesiosaurus, a Jurassic-era reptile, and in the late 1820s the first example in Britain of the flying reptile pterosaurus. Selling her finds from a table outside the family home, Mary gradually became the go-to local person to lead fossil hunting expeditions along the beach. Many wealthy amateur geologists in England, making reputations for their fossil collections, actually owed those kudos to her. But they rarely credited her, either for her part in their collections or the papers they published about them. She is quoted at one point as saying, 
The world has used me so unkindly, I fear it has made me suspicious of anyone. She faced two significant hurdles. She was working class, and she was a woman. In the early 19th century, working class meant poverty because of soaring food prices and static wages. Being a woman meant limited educational opportunities, and not being accepted into the membership of cultural or scientific groups such as the Geological Society of London. Yet her reputation grew, and at the age of 27 she had managed to buy a home with a glass-fronted shop. This became Anning's Fossil Depot, to where travelled many geologists and fossil collectors from Europe and America. They included King Frederick Augustus II of Saxony, who in 1844 bought a nictiosaur skeleton for his extensive collection. Mary also became a regular correspondent with some of the most eminent geological scientists of the time in Britain and across Europe. Among them was William Buckland, who lectured on geology at the University of Oxford and often came to Lyme on his vacations to look for fossils with Mary. She wrote to him at one stage, making the very important suggestion that strange conical objects known as bezoar stones were really the fossilised faeces of ichthyosaurs or plesiosaurs. That letter was auctioned for over £100,000 in 2020, which counterpoints the several difficult financial periods faced by Mary Anning in a short life that ended on the 9th of March 1847, when she died of breast cancer. Her illness had meant diminishing income from her business, but William Buckland persuaded the British Association for the Advancement of Science and the British Government to award her an annuity of £25 in return for her many contributions to the science of geology. It was a small but important level of financial security in Mary's final years. There were many appreciations after her death. Henry de la Beche, then the president of the Geological Society, wrote a eulogy that he read to a meeting of the Society and published in its quarterly transactions. It was the first such eulogy given for a woman and for a non-member of the Society. A stained glass window was unveiled in 1850 in her parish church, paid for by some members of the Society, in commemoration of her usefulness in furthering the science of geology. In recent decades, a number of species were named after her, the most recent being Ichthyosaurus aninjae in 2015. Other commemorations include the name of a cluster of shallow volcanoes in the northern hemisphere of Venus in 1991, and Mary Anning, an asteroid in 1999. In 2018, a new research and survey vessel was launched as Mary Anning for Swansea University. On the 21st of May of last year, following a campaign started in 2018 by an 11-year-old schoolgirl from Dorset, Evie Swire, a bronze statue of Mary Anning was unveiled at one of her favourite areas for fossil hunting. The campaign was called Mary Anning Rocks. Appropriately, the statue depicts her, hammer in hand, looking over cliffs where, over 150 million years ago, the land was teeming with the kind of animals which she helped bring back to life through scientific knowledge. I'm Brian Byrne. This is Cagullan Diary. Thank you for listening.